0: Section twenty five of Holidays at Roselands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joyce Martin Holidays at Roselands by Martha Finley. Chapter sixteen, part two. CHAPTER Sixteen. The little girls were awake unusually early the next morning, and the first thing they did was to run to the window to ascertain the state of the weather. It was all they could desire, a little cooler than the day before, but without the slightest appearance of rain, so the young faces that surrounded the breakfast-table were very bright and happy. The carriages were at the door very soon after they left the table, It did not take many minutes to pack them, and then they set off all in high glee, more especially the little ones. Everything passed off well. There was no accident. All were in good humor, the children on their best behavior, and they found the strawberries and cream very fine, so that when the day was over it was unanimously voted a decided success. A few days after this the children were again in their favorite spot down by the brook. They were sitting on the grass, talking, for it was almost too warm to play. "'How nice and cool the water looks,' remarked Soapy. "'Let's pull off our shoes and stockings and hold up our dresses and wade about in it. It isn't at all deep, and I know it would feel so good and cool to our feet.' "'Bravo! That's a capital idea!' cried Harold, beginning at once to divest himself of his shoes and stockings. Then, rolling his pantaloons up to his knees, he stepped in followed by Sophie, who had made her preparations with equal dispatch. "'Come, Elsie, aren't you going to get in, too?' she asked, for Elsie still sat on the bank making no movement toward following their example. "'I should like to very much, but I don't know whether Papa would approve of it.' "'Why, what objection could he have? It can't do us any harm, for I'm sure we couldn't drown if we tried,' said Harold. "'Come now, Elsie, don't be so silly.' I wouldn't ask you to do anything your papa had forbidden. But he never said you shouldn't wade in the brook, did he?" "'No, he never said anything about it,' she answered, smiling, "'for I never thought of doing such a thing before.' "'Come, Elsie, do,' urged Sophie. "'It is such fun!' And at length Elsie yielded, and was soon enjoying the sport as keenly as the others. But after a while they grew tired of waiting and began to amuse themselves by sailing bits of bark and leaves on the water. Then Harold proposed building a dam, and altogether they enjoyed themselves so thoroughly that they quite forgot how time was passing until the lengthening shadows warned them that it was long past their usual hour for returning home. "'Oh, we must make haste home!' exclaimed Harold suddenly. "'It can't be very far from tea-time, and Mamma won't like it if we are late. They hurried out of the water, dried their feet as well as they could, put on their shoes and stockings, and started on a run for the house. But they had not gone more than half-way when Elsie cried out that she had lost her rings. "'Those beautiful rings! Oh, dear, where did you lose them?' asked Sophie. "'I don't know at all. I just missed them this minute, and I am afraid they are in the brook.' And Elsie turned and ran back as fast as she could, followed by the others." "'We'll all hunt,' said Harold kindly, "'and I guess we'll find them, so don't cry, Elsie,' for the little girl was looking much distressed. "'Oh, Elsie, I am afraid your papa will be very angry and perhaps whip you very hard,' exclaimed Sophie. "'They were such pretty rings.' "'No, he won't whip me. He never did in his life,' replied Elsie quickly. "'And he has often told me he would never punish me for an accident.' even though it should cost the loss of something very valuable, but I am very sorry to lose my rings, because, besides being pretty and worth a good deal of money, they were presents, one from Papa and the other from Mr. Trevilla. "'But, Elsie, I thought your Papa was awfully strict and punished you for every little thing.' "'No, for disobedience, not for accidents.' They searched for some time, looking all about the part of the stream where they had been playing, and all over the bank, but without finding the rings, and at last Elsie gave it up, saying it would not do to stay any longer, and they could look again to-morrow. "'Oh, Elsie!' cried Sophie, as they were starting again for home. "'You must have got your dress in the water, and then on the ground, for it is all muddy.' "'Oh, dear!' sighed Elsie, examining it. How very dirty and slovenly I must look, and that will vex Papa, for he can't bear to see me untidy. Can't we get in the back way, Sophie, so that I can get a clean dress on before he sees me? I don't mean to deceive him. I will tell him all about it afterwards, but I know he wouldn't like to see me looking so. Yes, to be sure, Sophie said and replied, we can go in at the side door and run up the back stairs. "'And we may be in time for tea yet, if Papa is as late getting home as he is sometimes,' remarked Harold, "'so let us run.'" Mr. Allison was late that evening, as Harold had hoped, and tea was still waiting for him, as they learned from a servant whom they met in passing through the grounds. But when they reached the porch upon which the side door opened, they found much to their surprise and chagrin that the ladies were seated there with their work, and Mr. Dinsmore was reading to them. He looked up from his book as they approached, and catching sight of his little girl's soiled dress, "'Why, Elsie!' he exclaimed in a mortified tone, "'can that be you? Such a figure you are! Where have you been, child, to get yourself in such a plight?' "'I was playing in the brook, Papa,' she answered in a low voice, and casting down her eyes while the colour mounted to her hair. "'Playing in the brook! That is a new business for you, I think.' "'Well,' "'Run up to Aunt Chloe and tell her I want you made decent with all possible haste, "'or you will be too late for tea.' "'But stay,' he added as she was turning to go. "'You have been crying. What is the matter?' "'I have lost my rings, Papa,' she said, bursting into tears. "'Ah, I am sorry, more particularly because it distresses you, though. "'But where did you lose them, daughter?' "'I don't know, Papa, but I am afraid it was in the brook.' Ah, yes, that comes of playing in the water. I think you had better keep out of it in the future, but run up and get dressed, and don't cry any more. It is not worth while to waste tears over them." Elsie hurried upstairs, delivered her father's message, and Chloe immediately set to work, and exerting herself to the utmost, soon had her nursling looking as neat as usual. Rose had followed the little girls upstairs and was helping Sophie to dress. "'Dear now, darlin', now I tink you'll do,' said Chloe, giving the glossy hair a fine old smooth. "'But what's de matter? What my child been cryin' bout?' "'Because, Mammy, I lost my rings in the brook, and I'm afraid I will never find them again.' "'No such ting, honey, here day is safe and sound.' And Chloe opened a little jewel-box that stood on the toilet-table, and, picking up the rings, slipped them upon the finger of the astonished and delighted child, "'explaining, as she did so, that she had found them on the bureau "'where Elsie must have laid them before going out, "'having probably taken them off to wash her hands after eating her dinner. "'Elsie tripped joyfully downstairs. "'See, Papa, see!' she cried, holding up her hand before him. "'They were not lost at all. "'Oh, I am so glad, aren't you, Papa?' "'Yes, my dear, and now I hope you will be more careful in the future.' I will try, Papa, but must I never play in the brook any more? I like it so much." No, I don't like to forbid it entirely, because I remember how much I used to enjoy such things myself at your age. But you must not stay in too long, and must be careful not to go in when you are heated with running, and always remember to dip your hands in first. And another thing, you must not stay out so late again, or you may give trouble. You must always be ready at the usual hour, or I shall have to say you must sup on bread and water. Oh, I think that would be rather too hard, mr Dinsmore, interposed mrs Allison, and I hope you will not compel me to be so inhospitable. I hope there is not much danger that I shall ever have to put my threat into execution, mrs Allison, for it is not often that Elsie is twice guilty of the same fault. One talking generally does her, he answered, with an affectionate glance at his little daughter. Then I call her a very good child, remarked the lady emphatically. It is no unusual thing for mine to require telling half a dozen times. But walk in to tea, she added, folding up her work, ah, Sophie, I am glad to see you looking neat again. I think you were in no better plight than Elsie when you came in. For some time after this the young people were very careful to come in from their play in good season. But one afternoon they had taken a longer walk than usual, going further down their little brook, and establishing themselves in a new spot where they imagined the grass was greener and the shade deeper. The day was cloudy, and they could not judge of the time so well as when they could see the sun, and so it happened that they stayed much later than they should have done. Elsie was feeling a little anxious, and had once or twice proposed going home, but was always overruled by Harold and Sophie, who insisted that it was not at all late. But at length Elsie rose with an air of determination, saying she was sure it must be getting late, and if they would not go with her, she must go alone. Well, then, we will go, and I guess it's about time, Harold said, so come along, Sophie, or we'll leave you behind. Elsie hurried along with nervous haste, and the others had to exert themselves to keep up with her. But just as they reached the door, the tea-bell rang. The children exchanged glances of fright and mortification. "'What shall we do?' whispered Elsie. "'Dear, if we were only dressed,' said Sophie, "'let's go in just as we are. Maybe no one will notice.' "'No,' replied Elsie, shaking her head, "'that would never do for me. Papa would see it in a moment and send me away from the table.' It would be worse than waiting to dress. Then we will all go upstairs and make ourselves decent and afterwards take the scolding as well as we can," said Harold, leading the way. Chloe was in Sophie's room, waiting to attend her child. She did not fret the little girl with lamentations over her tardiness, but set about adjusting her hair and dress as quickly as possible. Elsie looked troubled and anxious. Papa will be very much vexed and ashamed of me too, I am afraid, she said with tears in her eyes. And Sophie, what will your mamma say? Oh, how I wish I had come in sooner. Never mind, replied Sophie, Mamma won't be very angry, and we'll tell her the sun wouldn't shine, and so how were we to know the time? Elsie was ready first, but waited a moment for Sophie, and they went down together. Her first sensation on entering the room and seeing that her father's chair was empty was certainly one of relief. When her eyes sought mrs Allison's face, it was quite as pleasant as usual. You are rather late, little girls, she said in a cheerful tone, but as you are usually so punctual, we will have to excuse you this once. Come, take your places. It was cloudy, you know, mamma, and we couldn't see the sun, said Harold, who was already at the table. "'Very well, Harold. You must try to guess better next time. Rose, help Elsie to some of that omelet and a bit of the cold tongue.' "'No, thank you, ma'am. Papa does not allow me to eat meat at night,' said the little girl resolutely, turning her eyes away from the tempting dish. "'Ah, I forgot. But you can eat the omelet, dear,' Mrs. Allison said. "'And help her to the honey and a piece of that cheese. Rose, and put some butter on her plate.' It cost Elsie quite a struggle, for she was as fond of good things as other children. But she said firmly, No, thank you, ma'am. I should like the omelette, and the honey, and the cheese, too, very much. But as I was late tonight, I can only have dry bread, because you know my papa said so. Harold spoke up earnestly. But, Mamma, it wasn't her fault. She wanted to come home in time, and Sophie and I wouldn't. "'No, mamma, it wasn't her fault at all,' said Sophie eagerly, "'and so she needn't have just bread, need she?' "'No, Elsie, dear, I think not. Do, dear child, let me help you to something. Here's a saucer of berries and cream. Won't you take it? I feel quite sure your papa would not insist upon the bread and water if he were here, and I am sorry he and Edward happened to be away to tea.' "'As it was not your fault, Elsie, dear, I think you might venture,' said Rose kindly." I wouldn't want you to disobey your papa, but under the circumstances I don't think that it would be disobedience." "'You are very kind, Miss Rose, but you don't know papa as well as I do,' Elsie replied a little sadly. He told me I must always be in, in time to be ready for tea, and he says nothing excuses disobedience, and, you know, I could have come in without the others, so I feel quite sure I should get nothing but bread for my supper if he were here." "'Well, dear, I am very sorry, but if you think it is really your duty to sup on dry bread, we will honour you for doing it,' Mrs. Allison said. And then the matter dropped, and Elsie quietly ate her slice of bread and drank a little cold water, then went out to play on the lawn with the others. "'Did you ever see such a perfectly conscientious child?' said Mrs. Allison to Rose. Dear little thing, I could hardly stand it to see her eating that dry bread when the rest were enjoying all the luxuries of the table. No, mamma, it fairly made my heart ache. I shall tell her father all about it when he comes in. Don't you think, mamma? he is rather too strict and particular with her? I don't know, Rose dear. I am afraid she is much better trained than mine, and he certainly is very fond of her and quite indulgent in some respects." Fond of her? Yes, indeed he is. And she loves him with her whole heart. Ah, mamma, you don't know how glad it makes me to see it. The poor little thing seemed to be literally famishing for love when I first knew her." When Elsie had done anything which she knew would displease her father, she never could rest satisfied until she had confessed it and been forgiven. Through all her play that evening she was conscious of a burden on her heart and every now and then her eyes were turned wistfully in the direction from which she expected him to come. But the clock struck eight, and there were no signs of his approach, and soon it was half past, and she found she must go to bed without seeing him. She sighed several times while Chloe was undressing her, and, just as she was about leaving her, said, "If Papa comes home before I go to sleep, Mammy, please ask him to let me come to him for one minute." I will, darlin', but don't you try for to stay awake, cause maybe Massa ain't gwine be home till berry late, and Danny might be vexed with you." It was nearly ten o'clock when Mr. Dinsmore returned, and he was talking on the piazza with Mr. and Mrs. Allison for nearly half an hour afterwards. But Chloe was patiently waiting for him, and meeting him in the hall on the way to his room presented Elsie's request. "'Yes,' he said. See if she is awake, but don't disturb her if she is not. Chloe softly opened the door, and the little girl started up, asking in an eager whisper, Did he say I might come, Mammy? Yes, darling, said Chloe, lifting her in her arms and setting her down on the floor. And then the little fairy-like figure, in its white nightdress, stole softly out into the hall and ran with swift, noiseless steps across it and into the open door of Mr. Dinsmore's room. He caught her in his arms and kissed her several times with passionate fondness. Then sitting down with her on his knee he asked tenderly, "'What does my darling want with Papa to-night?' "'I wanted to tell you that I was very naughty this afternoon, and didn't come home until just as the tea-bell rang. And you were very glad to find that Papa was not here to make you sup upon bread and water, eh?' "'No, Papa. I didn't eat anything else,' she said in a hurt tone. I wouldn't take such a mean advantage of your absence." "'No, dearest, I know you would not. I know my little girl is the soul of honor,' he said, soothingly, pressing another kiss on her cheek. "'And, besides, I have just heard the whole story from Miss Rose and her mother.' "'And you wouldn't have let me have anything but bread-papa, would you?' she asked, raising her head to look up in his face. "'No, dear, nothing else, for you know I must keep my word however trying it may be to my feelings. "'Yes, Papa, and I am so glad you do, because then I always know just what to expect. "'You are not angry with me now, Papa?' "'No, darling, not in the very least. You are entirely forgiven. "'And now I want you to go back to your bed and try to get a good night's sleep, and be ready to come to me in the morning. So good night, my pet, my precious one. God bless and keep my darling.' May he ever cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace." He held her to his heart a moment, and then let her go, and she glided back to her room and laid her head on her pillow to sleep sweetly and dream happy dreams of her father's love and tenderness. She was with him again the next morning, an hour before it was time for the breakfast-bell to ring, sitting on his knee beside the open window, chatting and laughing as gleefully as the birds were singing on the trees outside. "'What do you think of this?' he asked, laying an open jewel-case on her lap. She looked down, and there, contrasting so prettily with the dark blue velvet lining, lay a beautiful gold chain and a tiny gold watch set with pearls all around its edge. "'Oh, Papa!' she cried. "'Is it for me?' "'Yes, my pet. Do you like it?' "'Indeed I do, Papa. It is just as lovely as it can be,' she said, taking it up and turning it about in her hands. "'It looks like mamma's, only brighter and newer, and this is a different kind of chain from hers.' "'Yes, that's entirely new, but the watch is the one she wore. It is an excellent one, and I have had it put in order for her daughter to wear. I think you are old enough to need it now, and to take proper care of it.' "'I shall try to, indeed, dear, darling mamma. I would rather have her watch than any other,' she murmured, a shade of tender sadness coming over her face for a moment." then looking up brightly thank you papa she said giving him a hug and kiss it was so kind in you to do it was that what you went to the city for yesterday it was my principal errand there and now how sorry and ashamed i should be if i had taken advantage of your absence to eat all sorts of good things i think we are never sorry for doing our duty her father said softly stroking her hair and i think too that my little girl quite deserves the watch "'And I am so glad to have it,' she cried, holding it up and gazing at it with a face full of delight. "'I must run and show it to Sophie.' She was getting down from his knee, but he drew her back. "'Wait a little, daughter. I have something to tell you.' "'What, Papa?' "'We have paid our friends a very long visit, and I think it is time for us to go, if we would not have them grow weary of us. So I have decided to leave Elmgrove to-morrow.' "'Have you, Papa?' I like to travel, but I shall be so sorry to leave Sophie and Miss Rose and all the rest. They are so kind, and I have had such a pleasant time with them." "'I have told you the bad news first, he said, smiling. "'Now I have some good. We are going to take a trip through New England and the State of New York, and Miss Rose and Mr. Edward have promised to accompany us. So you see you will not have to part with them just yet.' Elsie clapped her hands at this piece of good news. Oh, Papa, how pleasant it will be! Dear, dear Miss Rose, I am so glad she is going. And Mr. Edward? Yes, Papa, I like him too, but I love Miss Rose the best of all, don't you, Papa? Her father only smiled and said Miss Rose was very lovely, certainly. The breakfast bell rang, and she ran down, eager to show her watch. It was much admired by all but there was great lamentation especially amongst the younger members of the family when it was announced that their guests were to leave them so soon why couldn't elsie stay always they asked why couldn't she live with them they would only be too glad to have her mr dinsmore laughed and told them he could not possibly spare elsie for she was his only child and he had no one else to share his home "'But you may stay, too, Mr. Dinsmore,' said Sophie. "'There's plenty of room, and Mamma and Rose like to have you read to them.' Rose blushed and shook her head at Sophie, and Mr. Dinsmore replied that it would be very pleasant to live at Elm Grove, but that Elsie and he had a home of their own to which they must soon return, and where she would be very glad to receive a visit from any or all of them. End of Chapter 16 Part 2 Recording by Joyce Martin.